Today's episode of the Fearless People podcast is brought to you by Warner Brothers Discovery in recognition of Trans Awareness Month. I still find it very interesting, or I found it hard over the last couple of years to call myself an artist. And I only realized that's because I, I wasn't trusting my voice. And, but, you know, when I think about it in the movement and organizing, o sea, me paraba en frente de miles de personas que hablan pura pendejada. Hello, beautiful people. This is Bambi Salcedo greeting you and sending you so much love and appreciation. As you know, before we start, I want to acknowledge the land where we're standing on today and the land wherever you may be. I am here in Tango Land in Los Angeles, and in this time that we're together, I want to invite the four elements that ignite our being. I hope that our conversation sparks the fire that we all have within and that inflames all of our listeners to understand and to take action. I hope that the water will help our conversation and thoughts to flow freely with no limitations or barriers. I also hope that the wind inspires all of us to deliver the message that our people need to hear and listen, and that it penetrates our hearts and minds, and it continues to provide the strength that we all need to continue to move forward in this world. And of course, with much humbleness, I also would like to call upon Mother Earth, who continues to provide for all of us to exist. We ask our Mother Earth to feed us with strength and power and that we feed the soul of the people who are listening. It is with great honor that we invoke the spirits of our ancestors to guide us and to give us the strength, intelligence, and tenacity to continue to move forward in this world and to continue to fight for what is right for all of our peoples. Today, I have the great honor to have as my guest an amazing, incredible artist, an incredible badass friend, sibling in the movement, whose name is Jose Richard, but is mostly known for La Nalgona. <laughs> La Fabulous Nalgona, por favor, tell us who you are, you know, how is it that you got to be where you are today? Yeah, qué fuerte. I mean, I love the fact that, yeah, I mean, but when Soy Nalgona was like an Instagram, I didn't necessarily come up with the name thinking there was going to be like a, a platform. Like I never went in there being like, oh, people are going to call me Nalgona years from now. But I thought it was just funny, right? A little situation and moment of the time that I thought was hilarious. Yeah, my name is Jose Richard Aviles, born and raised in South Central, proud to be from South Central. I identify myself as a putaco, mita pupusa, mita taco, pero siempre puta porque se sabe, se sabe lo que nacimos. And I think um, at the root of everything that I do, I think there's a lot of conviction, a lot of love for people, for family, for culture. And I think that informs everything that I've always done. I mean, I've been an organizer for most of my life. I think it's really, and you definitely know this, Bambi, right? Like a lot of people be hella surprised when we're like, we've been in the movement for like 15 plus years, you know? It's like, our whole life has been a movement, right? And so I really appreciate and I'm grateful for a lot of the folks that raised me in that space and in the movement, you being one of them. So that's super, super exciting and always an honor. And even then, like, you know, what I do now professionally, I'm an urban planner, specifically a transportation planner. Uh, and it comes from my movement background with the bus riders union, you know? Like, I, I, don't, I didn't come into the profession thinking, or romanticizing the city or trying to talk about like, you know, economic development. I feel like I went into the profession because somebody has to defend their hood. 
And so I'm like, fuck it, let me learn your system so then I can burn it, you know, burn it down. At the core of everything I do is really that. Y después también because I need self-care, pues hacemos desmadre. And also an artist, I think truly that's my real purpose on this earth, to be an artist and to entertain people. And of course, because of the lack of representation or the lack of resources, I came into discovering that true calling later in life. Um, now I've been practicing as a professional working artist, I say, more than anything, because, you know, cuando podemos trabajar y pues ganarnos un poquito el pan de cada día with our art is also an honor and a blessing. Y ya llevamos como siete años y pues una inventada. You know, I've I seen millionaires and people who like put money into museums and that kind of stuff, but don't necessarily think of the art of the people as art, right? Like, and so there's not an investment in the arts, neither from the private sector or the government, right? And so what do you think needs to happen for people to really pay more attention to the art that our people generate? For a long time, over the last seven years, I think I've worked very hard to compartmentalize what I did as an urban planner versus what I did as an artist. Because let's be real, I talk shit as an artist about what it's like to work in urban planning, especially in equity spaces. So it allows me to also, like, you know, get some self-care. I will say that, interestingly enough, hace poco, like, there's been more of a call to integrate my art in urban planning. My day job, it asks me all the time to show up as an artist. And so much of my art is now informed by urban planning. So I'm at this very beautiful intersection where I'm like an artist and an urban planner at the same time. And it only took seven years. Is the, I think to your question one, I think it's a little bit about, I, I have the honor because of the position that I am, not the honor, the privilege really, but I get to produce my own work. And like all that little extra money that I make on this, you know, as an art, as an urban planner, pues invierte otra vez on the art, right? So I'm like, girl, I, I'm used to living paycheck to paycheck. So I'm still keep living paycheck to paycheck, but at least I can invest in the art a little bit. So I, I think a first step for, from an artist's perspective is to always keep creating and find the multiple ways in which we can keep creating, right? Like, what is art that is for self-care? What is art that is entertainment? And what is art that's also a job? Girl, there's a difference when your art becomes a hobby or like when you are like working more as an artist. Like sometimes you just gotta make decisions. I feel like antes you like I'm gonna create a masterpiece. Que, y que no se que, I'm about to be like the, the Selena of what I do as an artist, the Beyonce of what I do as an artist. Girl, sometimes you got a deadline and you just gotta produce some choreography. It is like you just gotta get on the, the business side of it all. So I think that's something I learned that was new, the business side of everything. And I think on the other end of what people can do to pay more attention, investing a lot in emerging artists. I think an emerging artist particularly is very important because with emerging artists, I, we're artists that are just starting to cultivate our voice. A lot of the times we don't know how to find our artistic voice because of the lack of representation. So I think rather than thinking about investing in products, right, like rather than investing in like an exhibit, in a mural, in a play, like, I'm really interested in seeing more programs that are investing in process to help people develop. Porque las historias ahí están. Oh, so much, that's so much of our lived experience, right? But I think it's finding and cultivating the voice that it's a little bit harder. And so you were talking about being more interested in the investment of people? Yeah, I think it's particularly more important, especially like coming from community, right, because of the lack of either resources or the lack of representation. Like, 
I think it's much more influential or better to develop in someone's artistic process, you know? Porque apenas estamos desarrollando una voz, maybe more than others, or even learning to trust it. I don't think I consider myself an artist, even as someone who was studying dance or even as someone who was performing. I still find it very interesting or I found it hard over the last couple of years to call myself an artist. And I only realized that's because I, I wasn't trusting my voice. And, but, you know, when I think about it in the movement and organizing, o sea, me paraba enfrente de miles de personas que hablar pura pendejada. People were talking about marriage equality. We were like, yeah, but what about like high school and suicide prevention? You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like now that I look back in hindsight, I'm like, dude, I've been performing for a while. I just never learned how to trust that voice. And I think now it's important to invest in necessarily in people's process. Porque las historias están allí. We've just not, never been conditioned to, to think of our stories as truth. You know, it's interesting because I, I kind of feel the same way, right? But if we really look at it, right, being able to to speak, uh, you know, like whether it's a workshop, whether it's in front of multitudes of people, whether it's, you know, during a panel, whatever it is, right? Like it's also a form of art. You know, I have written like poems that have been published and stuff like that. But I also have a hard time, you know, claiming, you know, that I'm also an artist. Right. And so I really appreciate that you put it into context like that, because I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, it also helps other people to, you know, to embrace a part of them as well. Right. Because I, I think now that you're sort of like mentioning, like, I want to do that, too. I want to embrace that side of me. I, I am a creative person, you know, and, you know, even when I speak, right, like you have to create whatever you're going to say, right? So thank you. Thank you so much for bringing that up. But tell us, you know, what what are you up to nowadays with your art and everything else that you're doing? Bueno, te voy a dar la exclusiva a ti. <laughs> Some people know, but I think, especially as an urban planner, just seeing how much gentrification is going on in the world, to be real. I mean, but specifically in Los Angeles, because it is my hometown and I grew up there and, you know, it's so personal. Este, also, antes de que se olvide, quick shout out to your productor, el Javier, que también me conoce desde chiquita, que nos conocemos aquí todos en familia. I love it. Este, I grow, I was so angry. And especially because I study, you know what I mean? So I see the ins and outs and I see like what happens behind the scenes on a city level. I see the bullshit. I realized I was so angry. And, and, and long story short, I mean, I also got this place, but <laughs> so I was like, fuck, okay, this shit got real. So what do, what do I do and how do I respond? And so for a long time, I wanted to come to, to Mexico City. Um, and again, because of a little, uh, so much of the unlearning that I would do on my trips. And like, I know who I am, for example, as a queer person of color in LA, but I don't know who I am as a, as a Jota de la Comunidad and Morena in La Ciudad de Mexico. For example, that's something that I learned. You can't say, I mean, not that you can't, but like when we say queer or like part of LGBT, in Mexico se dice de la comunidad, of the community. And people yeah. know that the community is LGBTQ, but no, uno no dice LGBT, nomás es de la comunidad. And that's what, and so that's a little bit of unlearning. So now I'm like, oh, what does community mean to me in English? Right? To me, that's authentic. But la comunidad en español is queerness. So it's this beautiful unlearning of who I am 
And so I moved to Mexico City. <laughs> but I didn't move to like Romar Condesa, which is where everybody is at now. And the gentrification is hella real. I'm learning a lot. I moved to Nesta, girl. I moved to like the hood. I'm like out here in the hood and I'm learning so many different things. My favorite is like, girl, aquí no hay bote de basura, amiga. Aquí no me suben las campanitas. Y una tiene que salir en chingas sacando las bolsas de basura. It literally becomes like a little little moment I figured to happen earlier today. But I'm like, I think as I get to know my neighbors a little bit more, va a ser este el rinconcito del chismecito. Todas las señoras con las bolsas de basura y en el chisme. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. So the art project is a little bit of that. Se llama En Búsqueda de la Malinche. And so it's literally looking at what it means to be a brown body of the diaspora, someone born in the U.S., but also reconnected to Mexico, unpacking and unlearning the, all the gentrification. I'm going to be making a series of about 25 different maps that are all based on memory. So as I'm remembering streets, as I remember where little things are, I'll be mapping it along the way. And so I'll be here for about a year and a half, a month sabbatical, and then I'm going to go home. I still get to work. One of my privileges that I, is that I get to work from home. And again, so we were talking about earlier, because of the difference of the dollar, and aunque ahora está a 17 pesos, pero hace unos, cinco, unos tres años estaba a 22 pesos, and we were living the dream. <laughs> Bien Karen de mi parte y rubia. But no, the cool thing is that I also get to collaborate with artists from Mexico, and because I have a little bit more disposable income, I get to be a producer now. And so that's really, really cool, where it's like, let me invest in queer artists from Mexico City as collaborate. So it's always, again, thinking about how I go back to what I was saying, the art and the practice of urban planning are always intertwined, right? Like, it's a big thing. I, I talk about, you know, gentrification, and I talked about transplants in LA, but now I'm one here. So it, it, it's like this tension to me makes a good art moment to be like, how am I going to process all of these different things? Like, what does it feel like that I can afford like Ikea furniture versus the furniture down the block. You know, like, what does that mean? And so all of these things are going to be a series of poems, of memories, of journals, and maps. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for you. You know, you share a couple of different interesting things that that I think is important for people to really understand, right? Like, you talked about... um how as a young person, right? Like, and as you were involved in community and doing, you know, the work, right? As an organizer, right? You experience displacement and that is very real, right? And so, and, and that happens to a lot of our communities, right? You know, developers coming and just taking over, you know, building whatever they're building and really pushing our people to the side. So it's, it's something that is pretty fucked up. What can we do, right? Like, how do we, hold people accountable for us to really preserve our our culture, you know, the neighborhoods that we grew up in and, like, the people that we share space with, right? Like, when we're this place, that is, like, it's a serious thing. You know, it's, it's very real. And I think, for example, again, it's such a weird position to be in, especially as someone who is first generation, right? Because I do definitely have a lot of privilege. I definitely now know that I have more privilege than my immediate family just because of I went to grad school, like a bitch has two masters, like gustaban los libros, this is too. And at the same time, I don't have a safety net, right? Like part of the reason why I got this place is because I bitches still living paycheck to paycheck. Because now there's more responsibilities. Now it includes my siblings. Now it includes my parents. Now it includes 
so much more people. And I think part of my DNA is not to leave my my family desamparada because it's not leaving behind my community. And if there's anything that I was raised is to be put community forward, always. I mean, it's what's allowed me to be who I am. And I think um, a lot of the times you're talking about holding people accountable. I definitely do think it's elected officials for sure in the, in the sense of like, you know, I come from an organizing background that also taught me to be contra desde sin el Estado for sure. Like, I'm not saying that some, sometimes all of the options that we're going to have are going to be within the state, fuck the state, burn it all down. And I also know that planning processes are so methodical and bureaucratic. And I think that a lot of the times we forget that there's urban planners behind us. There's an urban planner that we may ask ourselves, and I think this is why I get so pissed off and I also enjoy being in the field. But like I think about why the hell there's so many liquor stores in South Central per capita, right? Liquor stores yeah. and motels and fast food places. And then by USC, there's like seven Starbucks in a square mile. The fuck? Like, why y'all need seven? You know, it's so stupid. And then I realized there's an urban planner behind all of those decisions. That is intentional. And, and, and it isn't that, like, we don't hold urban planners as accountable. Porque hijos de la chingada no hacen nada. Nomás aquí aprueban planes y todo eso. And so I'm always, like, mad and, 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 and trying to find ways to organize more planners because there's so much power in our field, yet we aren't taught to be advocates. And I think there's more people from our communities who are doing urban planning work who need to know about urban planning because there's so much power in the way that the that the city functions. And again, that's, you know, people might be like, that's not radical enough. Listen, we got, while we're trying to destroy and build a new system, también tenemos que como sobrevivir. And I think that's the, 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 the one thing that, that, that sits me why I have to leave LA for a little bit, because I realized that a lot of the anger that I was leading with, because I think when you come with lived experience, you come with a sense of urgency. Pero dije, wait, I'm going to get burned out. And you know, you and I know this, you need the self-care, you need the balance to stay in it for the long run, right? Like, there's only reasons why we've been able to do the work well, our entire our entire lives, basically, at this point. And so I was like, let me step back. But there's definitely a lot of urgency that is needed. I do think that we don't work, talk enough también to social workers and folks who are providing, like, case management around housing and affordable housing. I don't know. There's so, there's so many ways to go about it because the problem is so big. I know that the struggle has been real, you know, um, for you and continues to be in many different ways. But I want to ask you, as you were, you know, a child with no worries, a child that didn't have to worry about, like, que necesitabas pagar la renta or, you know, where you're going to get food or whatever, you know, like, what would you say to your inner child, you know, your five four-year-old child? You know, that's so interesting, and, and thank you for that question, because uh, one of the things that my friend um, Nacho, who designs all my, 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 my costumes, and who's helped me a lot, I mean, part of the reason I'm also on is because Nacho's from Nessa, that I brought some of my childhood pictures, and there's one picture in particular that I framed, and it was a reminder to that young person of, like, look, bitch, now you got your own little apartment here in Nessa, and you're doing something, and you're producing your own art and that's how you're here um and so as an honor to that little person we framed the picture <laughs> and it's living on the on the bookcase so that's i love the serendipity of it all you know i think the one thing i would say is like keep your imagination i think when i look back in the imagination i either out of like necessity 
necessity, like the fantasia that I needed to build a different reality than the one that I was living, or just the fact that I was imagining now as an artist and as, as an adult, I'm like, I'm so grateful for that imagination. I'm grateful for my little ability to always try to see the good in people. I think that's both a good, a curse and a gift. Um, because I think sometimes, si nos pasa de cabezas, pues una se pasa. A veces se pasa y una tiene que sacar las garras. But you know, I'm grateful that at least at the core of who I am, it's finding the good in people, right? I, I, you know, I can project and out of anger, I can say a bunch of pendejada and mamada. That's what comedy is for. But I think at the core of who I am as a person, it's always a love for people and a love for community. I, I remember particularly like being a kid on the bus and legit with my mom and standing on, on the bus seats and just watching the city and being so fascinated by people moving and, and doing their thing. And I think until this moment in time, I still hold on to that. So I think I would tell that little person like, va valer la pena, mija. Va valer la pena. Keep being you, keep being imagining, porque va valer la pena. And I think about it now and I'm like, girl, you know, being an artist, like, gives me the opportunity to do a bunch of shit, like, pintarme el pelo de, de rubia. Listen, it's the risk that you get to take as an artist that I've had to learn that I'm like, I don't think I would have taken them as a person, but because I decided to lean into the creativity and the imagination, I can also lean into, like, finding new versions of me. And so I'm super grateful for that. And I definitely know that comes from being a little person. I, those things I used to existed on a bitch was out here pretending I was Sailor Moon and shit. Like, I, I've always been that. So, que valió la pena. Y, se, y seguirá valiendo la pena. I think that's a reminder, right? Que valió la pena. And when um, things don't feel like they're going their way. And like you said, I, I'm grateful for to you and for saying, you know, that you're also a support system. I'm grateful to you and for that. Valió la pena. Y seguirá valiendo la pena. Vale, think, vale la pena. Claro que sí. Yeah. You know, I, I want to thank you, amor. Thank you. That, that's so beautiful. You know, let's keep the imagination, right? Uh, let's keep imagining and reimagining if we need to. But I want to ask you, um, just for you to to give a message to the beautiful people who are listening to us. You know, I've been listening a lot to La, la Queen Mother, La Beyonce. <laughs> and there's, there's this thing, one of my favorite songs, Me, Myself, and I. And there's a, there's a line that says in there, I took a vow that from now on I'm going to be my own best friend. And I think that's something I'm learning a lot. And I think it's something that I would offer to, to folks who are listening. Like learning to be each other's good friends, porque se sabe que aunque la amiga sea este bien, que sea bien piruja, aunque la amiga sea bien desmadrosa, aunque la amiga sea una borracha, queremos a nuestras, a nuestras amigas. And I think if we're able to extend some of that unconditional love onto ourselves, when we don't feel like it's around us, it's a big lesson and a big blessing to also learn along the way. And it's something that I'm tapping into and learning and how to be my own best friend. And I think, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with thinking to ourselves, like, how I, have I shown up as a friend for other people? And can I do that for myself? And even that little reflection, I think, makes us think a lot about the ways that we perceive ourselves and the way that we treat ourselves. And I think that's something very powerful to build the friendship that we have with ourselves. Beautiful. Yes. I remember when I was younger, I, I was uh, I was so scared to be alone, you know, and now I've been living alone for so many years that I, I, I love my solitude, you know, and so it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful when you get to do that. So, Corazon, you know that you are so dear to me and mm -hmm. I love you and I appreciate you so much. And I thank you. I thank you for 
who you are, for the light that you bring to the world and, you know, for your amazing art and for everything that you do. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for being my guest uh, and the Fearless People podcast. Thank you so much, beautiful people, for tuning in, for sharing space, and for learning with us today. Please thank you to uh, my amazing and beautiful guest, Jose Richard Aviles, also known as La Fabulosa Nalgoncísima. And, you know, I, our hope is that we have given you a little bit of knowledge, joy, and that you also feel inspired. We hope that you use your power to change the world and that you influence others to do the same. And always, always remember to be you, live free, live out loud, and for sure, be fearless. Thank you so much. With much love and respect, always. Hasta la próxima. The Fearless People Podcast is a product of Bambi Salcedo and is produced by Mejia TV and can be found in all major podcast platforms. You can support this podcast by liking this episode and subscribing to it. You can also support my retirement by rating this podcast and following me on social media on Instagram at L-A-B-A-M-B-Y and on Facebook and TikTok at B-A-M-B-Y-S-A-L-C-E-D-O Bambi Salcedo Thank you so much.